This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier male grooming company with the star lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I am your co-host, Devin Jackson. Uh, Mike Pernition didn't join me today. He is on vacation, so he is enjoying vacation. But today we have a special uh, guest today, uh, one from the Blue Chip Scouting Group and, and kind of an up-and-coming scout, someone that's done some awesome work on Twitter, uh, Lucas Ciertiarni. I think I, I got that a little bit wrong, but but uh, I've been trying to practice that beforehand. But uh, he is uh, our independent scout for Blue Chip Scouting, as well as he does some uh, awesome work for Huddle Magazine. So, Luca, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, how are you doing today this morning? Thanks a lot for having me, Devin, and hi to everyone. I'm, I'm really good, and I can't wait to talk to you about some prospect and the 2022 NFL draft. Now, uh, you joined uh, Blue Chip Scouting uh, over, over this last year or so. Uh, how, how did you kind of get into the scouting world and, and what, what kind of led you to, uh, you know, want to scout players and, and, and talk about players? Yeah, I kind of uh, got into scouting uh, last year during COVID. Uh, was in, um, during the pandemic, there was, uh, there was lockdown here in Italy. So I started to watch like college football week in, week out and got into prospects. And then at the end of the season, I tried to, I wanted to stay involved in that process and thought that it could have been interesting to start scouting players and write down how they could project into the NFL. So I started to write articles in Italian. And then at the end, at the end of the season, when I wrote my first uh, draft guide, uh, I wanted to like get into the US market, if you can call it this way. And I contacted Dante, I remember, of, uh, of Lucid Scouting, and they got me in. So it was kind of how I got into scouting. It wasn't easy because, you know, you have to consider a lot of things when uh, scouting players. You don't know what to consider, what, what traits to look for. So first season, it's kind of hard at the beginning. So I hope this season will be a little bit easier for me to, to write down everything. Now you uh, you mentioned that uh, you know you live in Italy, um, you know, and, and you know just kind of from your perspective, uh, you know, being able to still scout, you know, across the wire. I know they got some guys at Football Network that are also across the pond. Uh, you know, what what does it kind of mean to you to to be able to do something like this? Uh, you know, like say you want to break into like the American market, uh, but what does it mean to to be able to you know scout players and, and be able to communicate with? so many people uh, in even in the United States and, and across the country uh, to, to talk about these players and, and scout players. It's great and like strange at the same time because it's like you live your, your life in Italy, like it's, everything is normal and then you are another person on Twitter. You got to, to talk with different people from like the other part of the world. So it's really great to have the possibility to do, to do something like that. And it's also great to see like um, there are other scouts in Europe uh, that do this in the U.S. So it was kind of like a motivation for me to try to follow this path because um, there are 
many people that do it from Europe to the US. So I hope to, to be one of them in the future and maybe work in this industry from Europe or, or from the US. But it's really great to have to talk with uh, a lot of people like you and uh, many, many other great analysts of this industry. Uh, now, uh, you know, kind of getting to uh, more of the, you know, draft prospect section. So, like I said, we're, we're going to talk some 2022, 2022 draft prospects. But uh, before we get to that, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, you doing this last draft class 2021. Uh, what were some, some kind of your takeaways from the class in general in terms of, you know, people you've had right spot? You know, it's early on. I, I don't want to. Lately, was like misses or, or you, know, uh, you know hits already. But what are some players that you felt justified on in terms of where you ranked them, and then players that uh, you, you may have not ranked, uh, you know, as well as as maybe the NFL. Absolutely, like Tamar uh, Chase is making me look like a genius. I get like second overall in my big board, and it's like having the biggest start of the season of the. Of the season of any wide receiver in history and one thing that i already like learned is about rondell moore i had him like ranked uh i think it was my receiver like eighth or ninth and because uh, i saw him like more of a gadget player than a than a true wide receiver and i think that that was a big error a big mistake for me because uh, he had a, a special athletic profile like special and maybe i had to i remember i was uh, divided between elijah moore and rondell moore and i tend to and i went with uh, elijah moore over him because he was like a better runner uh, i thought he was a good uh, better separator uh, but then um, starting the position more i started to think that maybe uh, having that kind of athletic profile even with that type of injury history that uh, rondell moore uh, had uh, it was like a little bit special, a uh, little bit more special than I, than I thought. When, uh, so in the future, I'll try to like um, give proper credits to receivers with uh, that kind of athletic profile. So that's a miss uh, by my side. But yes, Jamar Chase, I was really high on him and he's like playing really well. I was also high on Terrace Marshall Jr. Who's, kind of struggling, but, mm, you know, also the Panthers offense isn't looking like a, a proper offense with Sam Dornald at the moment. And I was also really high on uh, J.C. Orr, who started the season in a in a really good way before getting injured, unfortunately. And uh, who else? Uh, some running backs. Najee. Najee was my running back one, and he's playing, like, really good. So, uh I feel like I was I started like well about quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, and I have to like um, grow more on the tra starting the trenches. So uh, I still have a lot to learn about how, how to study offensive tackles, offensive linemen, defensive tackles, and something and something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely understand, man. Uh, you know, kind of for me, uh, in some of the the players I had higher or lower. Um, you know, I, I was I was higher on the I feel like consensus on Jason Owe, uh, edge rusher out of uh, Penn State. He was someone that uh, you know kind of was split down the middle. Him and Gregory Russo were like two of the you know players that people were either in or out on. You know, there was no kind of in between. They were like 
I don't know how you can bet on athletic traits when you know they have these you know, lack of stats or you know stats against lesser opponents. Like for Russo, people thought you know he was either you know going to be really good and the stats are going to back it up, or he was just going to be a bust because he played against such weak offensive lines. But you know he's obviously turned out to, to have a pretty decent rookie season so far for the Bills. And then same with Owe. He, he's been explosive. Had already got a couple of sacks this year after people were concerned about him not having one last year. Uh, so those are a couple, you know, the defensive players that, uh, you know, was, was kind of high on. Low on, um, I would say, I, I think I was low on, I, I was definitely low on Mac Jones um, in terms of, I, I don't think he should have won first round, but he did anyway. Um, I thought that, you know, this. Pat Strathclough is going to just have four first-round quarterbacks, but obviously Mac Jones made it the fifth. Um, so that that was one, one player that, that I wasn't super high on. Uh, another one was Kadarius Tony, uh, believe it or not. I, 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 like, I liked him in college. I liked what he brought to the table, but I didn't like him more than, like, Elijah Moore, Rondo Moore, et cetera. But I know he got picked pretty highly. And, you know, he, he looks like he, he's on track to, to turn out pretty well. Uh, in terms of uh, NFL projection, because you know, in just a few games he's played, he's been explosive and, and been able to make people miss with the ball in his hands and whatnot. Um, I just like guys like Rondo Moore, Elijah Moore, a little bit better than him um, for that. And then, like a player that's, I want to call him an early miss, but someone that I, I kind of overlooked and uh, you know didn't really take their. And, and part of this process is that you don't know the medical. So James Wiggins, a safety from Cincinnati, was somebody that I really liked as well. Uh, but he fell to the seventh round because of medicals and uh, just could not stay healthy during that during that, uh, pre-draft process. So uh, that was like a player that I thought should have been a third or fourth rounder. Uh, circumstances making him a seventh rounder. He's, he's on the practice squad right now uh, for the Cardinals. And, and we'll see what happens with him over the next few years. But you, you just never know what you get. Uh, you know, with, with these draft prospects. I mean, you know, you, you take the time, look at them, look at their film, uh, you know, see kind of comparisons from previous classes, how people view these players with certain traits. Uh, you, you also take into account, you know, we don't really know them character-wise, personality-wise. Uh, you know, we don't know what their injury history is sometimes. And we'll talk about that in just a moment with the 2022 class. Uh, but uh, Luca, what, what, what do you think has been the most difficult part uh, for you in terms of uh, projecting some of these players to the next level or, or you know, with you know, round grades or, or however you go about it? Uh, what's kind of been the most difficult part of the evaluation process for you uh, when it comes to players? All right. So sometimes I feel like you have to exactly know uh, how the players are playing in the NFL because, I mean, you have to look at the how I just for example, how a certain linebacker, uh, I'll take for example, Darius Leonard is playing in the NFL. I need to watch like three or four players that are playing bad and well in the NFL and then watch the college film because uh, I have to like know exactly what is uh, needed to play well or bad in the NFL. So that's like a must. Last year, I didn't quite do that. I started doing this for the preliminary uh, scouting of this season. So that's certainly a must because if you don't know why a player is, play, is playing well or bad in the NFL, you can mm, like not projecting 
you don't you can project our player in college who's doing the NFL. So that's for sure uh, a part that it's you have to do then uh, about like round grades and uh, I do both uh, usually uh, both uh, round grades and numerical grades I feel like round grade is like where I will uh, I will draft him so first round is uh, impact started right in you you have to settle settle in and be a, a, a big starter right uh, right there so I think that like divide every every round into the future projection so you're maybe a second round pick you maybe um when i give you a second round grade you have to maybe settle in uh with more time and then be a starter but in the future not writing like the first round grade so it's kind of difficult process to like set uh write down everything and be comfortable with uh with your um uh, with your uh, numerical uh, like scale, I I talked yesterday with Ben Lesmar who, who write, uh, writes down his uh, his new scale, and it's it's tough to be comfortable with something with something like that. But uh, I feel like I do better when I have everything settled down, and um, and from there I can I can uh, put things down. So, but I think that one of the most underlooked things is watch the nfl film first and then you have like a better idea of uh, projecting college football players into the nfl yeah i think you're spot on with that one i think you know sometimes obviously we have how been college scouting uh but you know they these guys end up in the nfl at some point and, and you got to be able to to know exactly what the nfl is looking for what types of type of play that is being exhibited because you know it's, it's kind of hard to give out so many first round grades or so many second round and third round grades because you know there's only a limited amount of spots and for whatever reason it may be a player that's supposed to go first round falls to second round maybe because of medicals or something that we don't know about so i think it's definitely uh you know valuable information to you know for people you know listening to understand that if you watch the nfl or you understand what's going on in that game schemes and you know, what's being run or thrown at them, I think that that's incredibly valuable. Uh, now, switching gears to 2022, I uh, just kind of want to get uh, kind of a, you know, a background, a little baseline of, of 2021 and, and uh, you know, kind of your experience with that. But 2022 has, has been going pretty quickly. I mean, we're already halfway through college football season and probably in, in at least two or three months will be full-time NFL draft talking just about player projections, round grades, et cetera. Um, but before we get get into 2022 talk exclusively, I want to talk a little bit about your thread that you put on Twitter yesterday um, about uh, how you scout receivers. Um, so I, I thought, and, and me, you had talked about it, uh, you know, before you, obviously you posted it, but it was uh, kind of a unique way to view, but also, you know, a smart way to view. You, you talked a little bit, and I'll let you talk, discuss more about Kind of what that process looks like but you know you basically talking about how you evaluate and look at wide receiver ones you know not just you know people projecting like slot players or these explosive players you like your you know big body x type receivers and, and you mentioned names like drake london um 
David Bell, um, players like that. Uh, I believe you uh, say you like Trayvon Burks as well. So, uh, Luca, can you, can you tell people that may not have seen the tweet uh, that you posted, um, how do you want or how do you look at, uh, you know, evaluating receivers and, and uh, how do you go through that process? Absolutely. So, basically, my main idea is that a first-round pick is super valuable, so you can't waste it. So when you want to pick a wide receiver in the first round, you have to make sure that that will be your number one receiver. Uh, when the quarterback is like the uh, the play is broken and the quarterback needs to uh, search for some for someone, it has to be that type of receiver. So um, it was mainly because I started thinking about it for the Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith uh, conversation that went on last year during the draft. So uh, when I study receivers, I tried like to put down uh, size and weight at the beginning to try just to try to talk about and figure out who I'm watching. So if I think about Davante Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, those are all big body receiver. Uh, so that's what, something I look for. I want a receiver with size and with athleticism because DK Metcalf and AJ Brown aren't the best route runner in the NFL, but they get the they get the job done. They get the ball and then they they uh, get yards after the catch. They can break tackles. That's what I look for. Uh, also, production in college is something important because, I mean, you want a player that uh, worked well in college and produced maybe at an high level, like Jamar Chase came out with one of the most impressive seasons of all time um, in the SEC. And uh, so that's also, I say that route, run, route running and separation, I feel like they are kind of overrated traits because I feel like you can be an elite uh, wide receiver prospect even without them. Obviously, having them, I feel like the perfect, uh, receiver, the pref, uh, perfect receiver is like Woodrow Jones. He came out that was fast, big, uh, he got the job done outside and uh, or from the slot. He was a big, uh, uh, a very good route runner. He had everything. Having that, and it's like a wide receiver prospect that came out uh, that comes out maybe uh, one time every ten years. So um, it's pretty rare to have everything in one receiver. So uh, I feel like uh, Devontae Smith had a, a really great profile. I had him like I give him a sick high first round grade. But I thought I think that he will not be a wide receiver one in the NFL just because of physicality. I, uh, he has a great release package at the line of scrimmage. He's a great runner. He can separate. But when he he, he goes against uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, that those type of like physical and big receivers, he will he will struggle because physicality is one important trait for me. Uh, and that's why Jamar. I wasn't scared of that by uh, because of Jamar Chase because yes. He wasn't uh, as good of a separator as uh, Devontae Smith, but at the end of the day, I want just a wide receiver that wins his rep. I don't care why, how, um, if by a nasty route or something or a contested catch, I just want him to win that rep. So that's why I prefer like big body receivers with athleticism and yards after the catch uh, instead of like uh, technicians like uh, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. Uh, Chris Olave is like a player I'm a, bit, I'm a little bit lower than consensus, than consensus on. That's kind of my blueprint when I scout wide receivers. 
I know it's, it's not the perfect model. There are a lot of ways to looking for to scout wide receiver, but that's uh, what I'm comfortable doing. Yeah, I also think that brings up a good point because I feel like we kind of had that shift and how we evaluate wide receivers because we've seen guys that are mainly jump ball specialists can, you know, be physical at the, the catch point and, you know, have that big body. We've seen kind of not work out, you know, like the Nikhil Harris of the world and, and players like that, like Kelvin Benjamin and, and players like that, like that have that, you know, that size and, and the, the ball skills that you discuss, but I think you know what's also important is understanding how and why a wide receiver wins because you have so many ways you can win. Like some players are not like there's not going to be a lot of technicians coming out of college, you know, and I, there's going to be a crowd that likes technicians. Like they're going to like Chris Olave this year because they like Jerry Judy in the past and players like that that are not necessarily quickest, the fastest, but they are technicians in terms of how they get in and out of their breaks. They're very precise with their cuts. But there are other players that don't necessarily bring that, but they still bring a different element. And, and you kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, you know, Traylon Burks is, is an excellent example. Uh, George Pickens, when he's healthy, is an excellent example. Um, Drake London, to a certain degree, is, is, is just like that. I mean, people were a little bit hesitant with Drake London because they didn't want to fall into that Keel Harry type of mold where he's just a jump ball receiver. He doesn't really provide anything else uh, in terms of that, but he's showing that he can do a little bit more than just that. He can provide yards at the catch and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, Ryan Roberts gave an excellent comp in, in, in Brandon Marshall. He, he definitely reminds you of Brandon Marshall in terms of the way he plays. Wants to make big plays whenever the ball is in his hands, but uh, it was a great discussion, and I, I, I'm glad to, to have you on and talk a little bit more about the third because I think uh, it's important to, to discuss evaluating receivers. I feel like we've seen so many molds be breaking, broken. We would have thought two, three years ago, but players want their dynamic players, they want players that fit their offense and whatnot. And uh, Rondell Moore is another perfect, perfect, perfect example. He fits in perfectly with what Arizona does. Didn't go first round, but still uh, a pretty high pick as well. So you're getting kind of those guys that aren't as big. Like, you're, you're getting on both sides of the coin. You're, you're getting still the traditional X receivers going in round one, but you're also getting some of the smaller slot guys. So, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of uh, a mixed bag for both of those. Uh, now we're going to take a look at some 2022 draft prospects um, and, and talk about, you know, we don't have to necessarily just talk about receivers, but uh, really anyone in this draft class. So uh, I'll let us go back and forth. We'll do one for one. I'll let you do one and then I'll do one uh, in terms of prospects that have impressed us. So, uh, Loka, uh, who uh, has been kind of the guy that has stuck out to you most uh, so far in the 2022 uh, draft process? So a player that I really like a lot is Isaiah Foskey from um, Notre Dame, the edge rusher. Uh, Ryan Roberts, who like covers also um, Notre Dame, like pointed it out during the offseason and I started watching him. He was like last year, he had like, um, he wasn't a starter. So he had like some snaps, but you can, uh, you saw the explosiveness, the explosiveness right there. You saw that he had like really interesting um, athletic traits. 
But this year, he like is playing at an elite level. He like got two sacks uh, also last week against U USC. He like is now a full time starter. He's not like he's not anymore a role player. Uh, he grew from a technical standpoint. He, he knows how to use his hands. Uh, like uh, multi he developed multiple counters. So he knows also how to respond to the offensive tackles. And he really knows how to get to the quarterback. So I think that this is a really rich edge, uh, edge, rough, uh, edge rushers class because there, are multi there will be multiple uh, first rounders. But I think he can be a like, low first round, early second round player because he's like third uh, in, uh, in college football in sacks. Um, he's, he's really good. And he isn't talking about as much as he should be, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he's a player that I've seen kind of flash a little bit on the timeline and, and just uh, in passing watching Notre Dame games. So uh, definitely going to be a player uh, that I try to get to um, later in the draft process. Uh, you know, once I'm branching out of my, uh, you know, kind of uh, out of my conferences. Uh, but like I mentioned, I uh, do want to mention again uh, that uh, Luca is the uh, independent scout for Blue Scouting, um, and, and I am the Mountain West and Mac. And I'm going to the Mac for my impressive player. Um, it is a, a tackle uh, out of Central Michigan, uh, Bernard Raymond. He's someone that I've uh, talked a little bit about uh, pretty much uh, over the summer and a little bit of the season as well. But uh, for a player that uh, is only in his second season uh, full-time as a tackle, he only played, I believe, six games last year at uh, left tackle for the first time in his career because he was former tight end move tackle. Uh, someone uh, that I think is going to uh, benefit from being able to get down to, uh, you know, the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game or or, or one of those All Star games. I think he, he's definitely earned at this point. He's gone up against LSU uh, as well as um, Missouri this year, uh, two SEC teams, and and I think that's good for his resume. Obviously, playing the MAC is, you know, we we've had. You know, uh, tackles come out of the back like uh, Eric Fisher. He came from from Central Michigan as well. Uh, but but you know the the competition isn't as highly thought of. But him being able to have solid performances against both Missouri and LSU, I think, will help his draft stock. Uh, he was able to uh, you know counteract uh, speed to power rushes, uh, you know, straight up speed rushes. Uh, really moves well uh, laterally in, in terms of being able to get to uh, you know, the, the point of contact quickly and, and getting into sets and also mixing up his sets. He's not just doing uh, you know quick pass sets. He's, he's also uh, getting back uh, deep if need be uh, to, to meet him at the apex, meet pass rush at the apex. Um, but he, he, he's done a really great job uh, showcasing his ability to run block, pass block, uh, he works really well on double teams. I still would like to see, you know, kind of his, his pad level stay more consistent. I uh, would also like to see, uh, you know, just him keeping balanced uh, at all times. There are so few times he gets overextended or, or, you know, reaches too much. But it seems like he has adequate arm length to play the position. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to be a developmental tackle, I think, at the next level because – He's only had, only had two years of, of playing, or not even a full two years, but playing uh, you know, left tackle full time. But I think uh, a, a team is going to get really good value in him near the end of round three, early round four. 
um, unless he tests insanely well, and he'll probably even go higher than that. But he's someone that that's really been impressive to me, and, and some uh, you know getting noticed by you know the Dave Ruglers of the world and, and a few other few other uh, big names in the scouting world. So he, he's definitely uh, worn worn some hype, and, and definitely excited to see kind of how he grows uh, at, at the at the next level. Um, but uh, I'll pitch it back to you, Luca, for for another player uh, that that has impressed you in 2022. I have to go with, with probably why, why one of my biggest rushes of this year is Darian Kendrick from, from Georgia. I feel like obviously that front seven is getting all the hype and all the attention because they are playing at an elite level, but he's, he's playing really well too. He has Kylie Ringo on the other side of the secondary, who is also a, like top draft prospects for the 2023 NFL draft. But I really like Jerry and Kendrick. Um, he's fast. He doesn't give up big plays. Uh, he's like twitchy. Uh, he can like really well cover the change of directions of the opposing receivers. I feel like he, he really plays well with his lower body. And he's also physical at the line of scrimmage. So if he has to play press coverage against much bigger receivers uh, than him, he can really, he can really play his part and like uh, stop them at the line of scrimmage. He was obviously a, an impact player of, Clem, of uh, Clemson. Then he transferred to Georgia, but he's having really a, a real impact here at, at Georgia. So uh, again, this is like for the edge rushers or also for the cornerbacks, a really rich class. So multiple uh, first round picks will be spent on uh, on cornerbacks, and I feel like he, he will be he could be one of them. Uh, there obviously there are uh, Derek Singley Jr., Kerry Ryan, there like a really a lot of really good wide uh, cornerbacks, and I feel like he's one of them. Not maybe the top top, top tier because you know uh, Stingley, Andrew Booth Jr. Are, are are there, but I feel like he's in the second tier of cornerbacks. He's lights up this year. Yeah, that's that. I mean, you could argue the second tier of cornerbacks are even as talented as the first tier. I think it's definitely uh, Booth and Stingley. I think they're kind of in there in, in the league of their own. Uh, Kyrie Elam, probably not too far behind, but you know, Kyrie Elam, Darian Kendrick, uh, Amara Gardner, uh, you know, uh, DBs like that, and kind of that next wave of, of guys that may not necessarily be the top guy, but are still really good corners. I think you could even make an argument that they're as good, you know, as as those top guys. You know, it's, it's such a loaded uh, DB class. If you don't get a, a talented defensive back from this class, uh, you're just doing it wrong. You know, I think this is definitely the class you, you can't miss on. you you got to nail that evaluation and, and get a player uh, that can be a cornerstone piece for your defense for, for the next five to ten years. Uh, for me, uh, the next player uh, that I want to highlight is – uh, you know, a, a guy that I think more people should be talking about. He, he's he's a, a Mountain West guy. I'm going to continue to stay in my conferences just for now and, and maybe uh, get a few guys out of conference later on. But uh, tight end Derek Beach Jr. for San Jose State. Uh, someone I also talked about quite a bit. Um, this, this tight end class in general, there's a ton of depth. There's not going to be a, a – large number of top end guys is not going to be, you know, guys that are super toolsy or traits uh, for days in, in this tight end class at the top. I mean, you got General Weidermeyer, uh, Trey McBride, Kate Auden, players like that, that have size, 
they have skills. They're not necessarily the most athletic or, or most explosive players, but they're very solid football players. And I think that will help the day two, day three depth of this class be very, very, uh, you know, plentiful. And then teams will be able to get future tight end twos, tight end threes uh, on their rosters. But I think Derek Dees is one of those guys that can be a tight end two or tight end three at the next level. Uh, he's not going to be uh, every down in line guy. He's not going to be someone that's going to, uh, you know, be pancaking dudes in the trenches like George Kittle or anything like that. But what he does bring is the ability to stretch the field vertically. Uh, he, he can attack the seams with uh, kind of his size and athleticism. He's listed, I believe, at uh, like 6'4", 6'5", uh, about 240. Um, you know, has solid size. Uh, someone that's still kind of, I think, getting into that tight end body because he played receiver in high school. Um, but had quite a bit of a journey, went to community college before he and eventually ended up at San Jose State, has NFL lineage in his uh, family. Uh, Derek Deese played for the 49ers back in, uh, I believe, the 80s and 90s, so does have that in his family. Uh, but he has soft hands, uh, someone uh, that's continued to improve as a route runner. Uh, I thought, you know, 2019 and even sometimes in his 2020 tape, uh, there were times where he was a step slow. You know, and I think he was started like kind of thinking about the game a little bit, thinking about where he wants to get in his landmarks and in terms of where to get to, uh, you know, down the field and whatnot. But this year he's been moving at a completely different pace. You can tell he's he's learned the offense. He understands the offense. He understands the spots where to pick them. Uh, he's one of those players that can sit in the middle of the zone, uh, settle down. You could throw it kind of anywhere in his vicinity. He's able to go up and sky up, make. Uh, incredible uh, contested catches over the middle, um, able to change his body, have some body control in the air, uh, have the ability to uh, to make plays, uh, you know, just in jump ball situations. You know, he, he's someone that I think was going to be a big red zone threat at the next level, uh, can really work the middle of the field, and, and someone that, that uh, you know, uh, I, I, I really like in this class. I think he's ultimately going to be a day, day three tight end. Know, uh, you know, as much as I like him, I think his testing is going to be okay. He's not going to test extremely well, uh, which I don't think is going to have him as highly on NFL boards as others. But I think uh, teams will get a good value pick on day three of the NFL draft with these. Um, then uh, we'll do one more player uh, for each of us that uh, that has impressed us this year. Uh, then we'll switch to the other side of the coin, players that – haven't necessarily lived up to the billing, uh, but uh, I'll let you go ahead with your next one, Luca. I'll go with Jameson Williams, a receiver from Alabama. Uh, I was, I like the day of the um, first game of the season for Alabama, I wrote an article about him because I thought he, has, he had like in a good position to produce because Alabama had like a, a little bit of a gap at the wide receiver position with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddles uh, parting for, for the NFL. And he's having an impact season. It's like uh, I saw that now the hype is going probably too far, and I saw people add him like at wide receiver one or two. I don't think it should be a, a first round pick. I feel like he's more of a deep threat and wide receiver only guy, and uh, yards after the catch only guy than like a threat at all three levels at the moment. But he's like doing exactly what I was expecting him to do. Um, he can stretch the field vertically, like. Maybe he's the best uh, field stretcher of the of this class with Traylon Burks, and uh, he's fast. Uh, he, he's like a weapon on uh, short uh, on short throws because 
on slants, he gets off the snap like really quickly, catches the ball, and then he's unstoppable on, in the open field. So I feel like Jameson Williams went from an undrafted guy to, I, uh, I think, maybe a day two type of receiver. He's like at, uh, his, his draft stock had a big boost this year. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Bryce Young is like playing a part in his, uh, in his big boost. But uh, I feel like Jameson Williams is, is uh, someone who should be on, on everyone's radar. Uh, because uh, if Elijah Moore went in the second round, uh, I feel like Jamison Williams could be in that type of range. Um, maybe uh, I feel like he has the, the the physical tools to develop to develop into like a, an every down receiver or more than a deep threat or, or yards after the catch receiver. Uh, it's still early uh, because it's like its first season as a starter because in a loaded. Uh, wide receiver corporate uh, while you say he, he only played a handful of snaps but I feel like future is bright for Jameson Williams and uh, I feel like he's a really good prospect uh, I'll put you on the spot right quick here uh, you're taking Jameson Williams or John Mechie uh, if, if you had to choose as, as NFL GM today no doubts I'm going Jameson Williams I feel like John Mechie is a little bit overrated uh, he can be a good wide receiver too, a good a good slot receiver, but I don't feel like he deserves the round one wide receiver one type of eye. Uh, again, can be a really solid wide receiver too, but um, as a wide receiver too, I prefer Jameson Williams to him. For sure, for sure. Uh, last player that uh, I think I will highlight uh, before we, we move on kind of to our next section. Um, I think it's a, it's another uh, kind of Mountain West player, uh, so to speak. Um, but going defensive side of the ball here, uh, Cameron Thomas, the defensive lineman out of San Diego State, uh, is someone that I think is going to be viewed higher by NFL GMs and NFL scouts than uh, you know some some guys on, on draft Twitter or people on draft Twitter. Uh, and I think so because he's playing currently out of position. Uh, he's playing like a, a three down front right now at um, San Diego State because they run a three-three-five defense. So there's a lot of times where he's in the interior. You know, he, he's playing like a, a one shade or a three shade, and he should be playing as like a stand-up defensive and outside linebacker type of player. Um, and I think because of that people are going to have a hard time transitioning his film or, or evaluating him correctly. I think he is a day two type of player because, first of all, he has great length, great, great athleticism. Uh, size is not an issue as well. Uh, I believe he's hovering around like 6'4", 6'5", uh, about 280 is what I heard uh, last about him. So he has really, really solid size. And he, he reminds me, and I don't really like to do player-to-player comparisons in terms of just in this draft class, but some of the plays he makes is very eerily similar to Aiden Hutchinson uh, from Michigan. They they make kind of those same type of plays where uh, they do the arm over moves in the interior or they're able to uh, split double teams or they're able to uh, slip through and, and cause pressure. Uh, Cameron Thomas doesn't necessarily have the stats uh, to show that you know, he's this super dominant player, but like his win rate is fantastic. Uh, it seems like every every drive he's making one or two impact plays every drive, uh, just creating pressure or 
uh, you know, making a play in the backfield. Um, he, he's able to show how he can, uh, you know, disrupt uh, timing on, on run plays, uh, pass plays. So I think he's someone that I think more people will come around to later in the season. I think right now San Diego State isn't necessarily the uh, most interesting team to watch. I mean, they play very old school grand football, but they're still undefeated, still uh, a ranked team. But I think Cameron Thomas is, is – and he has a chance to, to win Defensive Player of the Year within the conference, which I would not be surprised. He's been one of the best defensive players in the conference. But I think, you know, he's he's going to be someone that people kind of get get around to later on, but but someone that, that I really like in this draft class as well. Uh, now we're going to flip to the other side of the coin uh, and talk about players that we may not be as high on, on as, as a consensus or players that just haven't uh, necessarily um, showed – great film this year or, or, or looked as good this year. Uh, and, and I can start this segment off. Um, player to me uh, that hasn't impressed me as, as much as I thought they would, um, it, it would have to be uh, Jackson Kirkland out of Washington the tackle. I know a lot of people had big, big fans of, uh, of him uh, over the summer. Uh, you know, our, our Andrew Harbaugh before, you know, he decided not to, to do Scott anymore. He had him, I believe, that as OT1. Uh, but there is something about his game that just feels off this year. And I think it's because he's not really a tackle uh, type of player. I think he's playing out of position right now. I think he's probably going to be a guard or move to the interior at the next level. I don't think he has a foot speed to, to be able to counteract, uh, you know, speed the power moves, um, trying to bend the edge on him. Uh, I, I think he lacks some power uh, at the apex of uh, pass rushes. I think sometimes he, he struggles, you know, kind of being able to counteract some of the what's being thrown at him. And that's very, that be, became even more evident because I was watching the Washington, Michigan film. And obviously going up against Aiden Hutchinson is, is no easy task, but I mean, he was, he wasn't getting, you know, beat just, you know, just with the knees getting beat pretty badly. Just everything was off in, in terms of footwork, you know, strength, um, you know, ability to, to counteract pass rush moves. So he's someone that has really been disappointing this year um, just because he uh, it was someone that people thought was going to be able to make that transition. Well, not make that transition, but look a little bit better playing left tackle. But I think, uh, it ultimately will seal his fate and movie interior uh, this year. Uh, so that, that's it, my guy. Uh, that, that's disappointing me so far this year. What about you, Luca? Uh, who's someone that uh, hasn't been as impressive for you? I'd probably start with Jalen Weidermeyer. I wasn't really high on him uh, at the beginning of the season. I had, I had him still like, uh, as my tight end, too. Uh, but I, I felt like there wasn't like a, a strong tight end one in, the, in that class. And maybe uh, he's not playing as well as I thought also because, you know, uh, Texans and them went from Ains King to Zach Calzada, were both uh, retro freshmen. But I feel like he's not that special of a player or, or a of a Titan prospect in Weidermeyer. He's more of a shared cook guy than uh, like uh, also even an Evan Ingram type of player. Uh, he hasn't those uh, athleticism traits that made you think, all oh, right, this, this can be like an every down tight end in the NFL, a mismatch nightmare. 
uh, or something like that. I feel like he, he will be like a reliable white, uh, tight end. He has good hands. Uh, he can get out. He can run some routes uh, very well. He's a contested, a contested catch guy, uh, but I don't feel like he's any special. Uh, he's probably a day two pick, probably a round two pick, uh, but I don't. I don't get like the hype of the first round for Jeremy Wiremeyer. Uh, it will be reliable, I think, but not like even like not like Evan Ingram, who was like uh, cursed by injury during his career. But uh, I felt like uh, I feel like uh, Ingram has like a really uh, really better athletic athletic profile game. Yeah, Watermar uh, has definitely been been someone that you know just has not played up to the billing. I mean, you know, it's, people are expecting him to be kind of this round one talent. You know, someone uh, that that could maybe pick, you know, a, you know, top half of the first round uh, coming into the season, but he just has not played uh, as well as we thought he would. Um, I think we can cap it there on the 2022 draft. And before we leave out, um, I, I want to get uh, kind of your thoughts. You're, you're uh, someone that always looks into the future, always looking forward to the next draft class and the next few. Um, and there have been some players that you've kind of been following in, in terms of 2023 draft class, some high school players that have committed as well. Uh, who are some of the, uh, you can name just a few of them, uh, but some of the future guys that you are excited about? Because uh, I know you're always looking ahead to the next two classes, uh, but, but who are some players that you're excited uh, about coming up in the next few years that, you know, you think could be stars or really take over in college football landscape? Absolutely. I like, I'm like obsessed with uh, recruiting and like looking for uh, next classes. And probably my number one guy is a guy that you Devin know really well is Keishon Bote from uh, LSU. I feel like he will, he has the, the tools to come out of college with like a Jamar Chase type of profile, not uh, playing style wise, but like uh, about production, about type of prospect. Keishon Bote, wide receiver from LSU, is absolutely a guy that I love. Uh, just like Quentin Johnston from uh, TCU, he's also a big body receiver. He reminds me of Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are two wide receivers that I, I really love. Vision Robinson is another, but I mean, he's, he's getting hype from everyone. Vision Robinson is a special prospect. I feel like he will come out with a Saquon Barkley type of type of hype and profile. And I also like a couple of cornerbacks, um, Eli Ricks from LSU and uh, Kili Ringo from uh, Georgia. I think that they could be uh, a couple of uh, number one, uh, round one cornerbacks. And also uh, today I watched uh, some Oregon tape and uh, a couple of linebackers caught my eye, uh, uh, Noah Sewell. The, the brother of uh, of Penny Sewell of the of the um, Detroit Lions and also and also Justin Plow, uh, they could be around one guys in uh, 2023. Uh, really great profiles, uh, modern players. I really like them. And also, we'll probably see in 2023 an, uh, a better quarterback class. There will be Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud. Uh, Anthony Richardson, probably Jeff Sims of uh, George Tech, DJ uh, Muyangale, who kind of took a step down this year, uh, step back this year uh, with Clemson, is looking pretty much like a mess, but he still has the tools to be a, 
a wide uh, a good quarterback uh, uh, prospect. And I feel like the 2023 class is going to be that talented that for me is overshadowing the uh, 2022 class because I'm so excited to study the 2023 guys because I feel there will be a really, really loaded uh, draft with impressive players. So it's really, I really enjoy looking for next classes and see what kind of to expect uh, on the next years. Yeah, yeah, 2023 has a, a lot, a lot of uh, talented offensive players. And that's not even getting to some of the, the defensive players like Brian Percy, uh from Clemson and, and some of those other guys. Uh, like you mentioned, Eli Ricks as well uh, from LSU. So, you know, so many talented guys already in, in next year's class. Um, and, and Jeff Sims as well. Uh, and, and Jameer Gibbs, both of that tandem and, at Georgia Tech should be very interesting to watch as well in Georgia Tech for next year. So I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, but that's all the time we got today on the Big Shots NFL Draft podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. You can follow uh, Mike, who's now on the show. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike H underscore Draft. You can follow our show at Big Shots Pod. And uh, Luke, I'll let you go ahead and plug uh, your Twitter name uh, or handle um, some work that uh, you want to promote or, or anything else you want to promote. It's like Sartirana Luca, or it's like with the big letter at the end of Sartirana and big letter at the end of, uh, at the beginning of Luca. And thanks a lot for having me, Devin. It was my first appearance on a US podcast. It was a huge experience, like really, really good. And I can't thank you enough, enough for the for this invite. I really, really enjoyed it. For sure, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, but but like I said, uh, we we will be back. Uh, I, I believe later this week uh, on the podcast, we'll have our uh, usual prediction podcast. But uh, thanks to Luca for coming on today's episode. Uh, and, and like I say, you, you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, Big Shots Pod. And then uh, you can uh, subscribe and, and leave, leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. But uh, thanks, guys, for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we will see you guys later this week.